Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. But let's go over to Ephesians chapter 6 and uh, look at our primary text here that we're working off of. In Ephesians 6, <clears throat> after talking about, in the middle part of the chapter, after talking about the uh, uh, armor, the spiritual armor that we are to take up and put on, he says, take, in verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, Paul said, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The verse we focused on is verse number 18. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Several modern translations render this verse praying always with all kinds of prayer. And uh, we pointed out uh, the fact that for so many people, for so many Christians, uh, prayer is just prayer. They really don't think about there being different kinds of prayer. They just put all kinds of praying sort of in a sack, shake it all together and just, you know, and they're just, they just pray. They just believe in praying. And, um, but the problem with that is there are different kinds of prayer and the different kinds of prayer have somewhat different rules. And uh, if you don't know the, the type of prayer you should be praying in a particular circumstance, if you pray the wrong way, the way you're praying might work in a different situation because a different situation might call on the kind of prayer you're accustomed to praying, but not all prayer uh, is the same. There are different kinds. Well, if there are different kinds, there's a reason for different kinds. The reason there are different kinds of prayers is because there are different kinds of needs and different uh, situations that, uh, you know, God is a just God, and that means that he is righteous and he is fair and God operates on legal principles. God doesn't just work willy-nilly just any way he wants to in the world. God is, of course, you know, people say, well, God can do anything. Well, yes, he can, but God has issued certain decrees. He has issued certain uh, instructions, and he has put certain spiritual laws into place and things operate the way he says they are to operate. And if they're not operating that way, it's because people aren't doing their part. Well, God's not going to step in and correct things when people aren't doing their part because he said he's given us the truth in his word and told us how spiritual things are supposed to work. And God is faithful to his word. Now, a lot of people have the idea that, that God, because God is, uh, you know, requires us to come according to the word of God, that God is being hard or difficult and, and uh, why can't you just cut me a little bit of slack? 
You know, people kind of have that attitude. Well, God, you know, I'm sincere. I might not be saying it right. I might not be believing right, but you know my heart is right. Well, uh, if it was a matter of everybody's, everybody being sincere and their heart being right in that sense, everybody's prayers would be getting answered. But people's prayers aren't being, being, a lot of people's prayers are not being answered because they're not coming according to the word. And so when you point that out, people say, well, you're just being hard or God's just being difficult. But see, I look at it differently. Because God has told us how to come and how to approach him and in the prayer, of, in the subject of prayer, he's told us in his word how to pray. That brings great comfort to me because I know that I can get it right. Now, I might have some growing to do and I might have some learning to do and there might be a learning curve and I understand all of that. But if I am diligent, God is not holding anything back from me. He's not holding anything back from you. And if so if the blessing isn't coming or the answer isn't coming or the, or the success in prayer isn't coming, don't get frustrated with God. God has given principles. If you'll line up with those principles, you'll always get the answer. God will, like we say tonight, God will always do what he said he would do. He is not obligated to do what he hasn't said. He's not obligated to bend the rules that he won't, frankly, he won't bend the rules. God will not bend his rules because his rules are best. And there's a reason behind everything God decrees and all of the principles in the word of God that, that prayer is based on. There are reasons for those things. And so, like I said, there are different kinds of prayers, different kinds of praying. Now, in, in word of faith churches like ours, we're real familiar with the prayer of faith. And when uh, the word and spirit movement uh, was birthed, the modern word of faith movement that was birthed back in the, in the uh, uh, early 1970s here in America, uh, a lot of people didn't understand faith. They talked about faith, but they really didn't understand how faith worked. I grew up in a classical Pentecostal denomination and we talked about faith all the time. We were always talking about faith. But when I, when I got into the word though and began to study and begin to delve in and, and thank God for the ministry of Kenneth E. Hagin, as he began to teach, God gave him a mandate to, to, to go teach my people faith. And he taught faith directly from the word of God, showed exactly what the Bible said about faith and how it works, how to get your prayers answered according to the prayer of faith. And, and he gave such clear instruction that it just opened up a whole new world to me. And then I realized why a lot of people that I grew up with, why they weren't getting their prayers answered. People, you know, I think I mentioned this in a, in, a, in a different message on a different topic. People say, well, I, you know, I don't understand it. I don't know why this happens. I don't know why these things happen in life. Why am I having this trouble? Or why is so-and-so having so much difficulty in life? And, and people have this, this idea where, well, you know, you just, some things you just don't know. And so when we don't know, we should not question anything because we're questioning God and we should never question God. Well, it's not a matter of questioning God. If God said, whatever things you ask, whatever things you ask, believe you receive them and you'll have them. That's a pretty clear statement. Whatever you ask. 
When he said over, when Jesus said this in John chapter 16, he said, he said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Now, either Jesus lied about it or he told the truth. And so when people are praying and they're not receiving, it's because they're not, they're, they're, there's something about faith they don't understand. Well, God brought the, the message of faith to the forefront because the church needed to learn how to pray the prayer of faith. And, and associated with the prayer of faith is the prayer of agreement. Faith principles work in that prayer. Uh, the prayer of of binding and loosing, which really technically isn't prayer. It's just exercising authority. That goes along with it. So it opened up a lot of different uh, avenues um, on uh, how you can believe God to get your needs met, to get the answers you're looking for in life. And so, like I said, you know, people would say, well, I don't know, I don't understand why certain things happen the way they do. We just have to trust God. Well, that's a cop-out. Come on, are y'all out there tonight? You can say okay or amen. I won't call you out. Amen. amen. When, my, when, my, when I was 11 years old, my dad was killed. Now, my dad was a, a very godly man. Uh, he was highly respected in the local church, beloved by everybody. And, uh, you know, after all of these years, after over 50 years, he, he, the, the memory of my dad in certain circles in Jacksonville, he's almost a legend. He was very highly respected. He was a very godly man. And he was taken out at 42 years of age. And uh, I went to a family reunion just a, a three or four years ago and his sister, my aunt, now she's gone to heaven. She was a wonderful woman, a, just a dear, uh, a wonderful Christian. And uh, I was talking to her and something about my dad's death came up and she said, well, you know, that was just the will of God. And I said, uh, no, I said, that wasn't the will of God. She said, and she just blist, blustered up. I mean, oh, just real fast. Oh, absolutely, that was the will of God. God, God knew what he was doing. He, and I, I said, well, it, it wasn't good for me. Because I had to grow up without my dad. And so there was this idea that, that, well, it was God's will. We don't understand why, but it was God's will. Well, I found out later, I know why. I know why my dad was killed. Because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why. And my dad, he was a wonderful Christian man. Like I said, he just a, lived a, a, an exemplary life, beloved by everybody, had a great testimony in church, had a great testimony on the job. When I was, a, 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 like I said, this happened when I was 11 years old. I went to the uh, 7-Eleven, which was about three blocks from my house, like the next week or a few days after my dad had been killed. I went up to the, get something from my mom, walked up the store, and... The store clerk didn't know me and there was a man in the neighborhood that I didn't know and they were talking and I, well, I went and found whatever it was my mom wanted and I went up to the counter and I'm standing there waiting to be waited on and I realized they're talking about my dad. And, uh, you know, because it, he, he got killed in, my, in the neighborhood at the house, you know, where we lived. It was an accident out in the yard and he, and, uh, he was, he was uh, killed uh, kind of a gardening accident. He fell and, and hit his head on some rocks and it killed him. 
And, of course, that was a stir in the neighborhood. People were talking about it, you know. Well, they didn't know that the, the man's little boy was standing there. And they were talking about my dad. And the man that the, 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 uh, the customer that w- who was talking to the clerk, he evidently worked at the at St. Regis paper mill where my dad worked, which was a big paper company, you know. And there were people all over Jacksonville that worked there, particularly on the north side. And, uh, and he evidently knew my dad. I didn't know him. And he was kind of uh, being sarcastic about my dad. And he said, yeah, he said, you know, uh, Anderson, you know, they were talking about the, you know, the, what had happened, you know, a few days ago. And he said, yeah, he said, at, out, out at St. Regis, they all called him the angel because he just was, he just was such a, you know, just such a perfect Christian. You know, he always talked about God and, and, uh, and he, was, he was obviously an unbeliever. And he was being sarcastic about my dad. Yeah, they said he was some kind of an angel. I think he was just an ordinary guy. And, uh, and I was just standing there listening to this, you know. But I thought, well, that's a good testimony. I mean, I, I'm glad he didn't say, yeah, out there at St. Regis, that was J.B. Anderson. Everybody called him a dog. Said he was just a creep. and a... <laughs> That would have been very good to hear. So I know the guy didn't mean it as a, as a compliment, but it, but it helped me. It was, a good, it was a good witness to me that my dad had an upright and an upstanding, outstanding testimony. Yeah. But nobody, you know, people just took things that happened like that. Well, you know, things just happen. Trouble comes. Well, my little sister was one year and one day old. She had her first birthday the day before my dad was killed. And I had a 16-year-old sister and a 13. Had a 14-year-old brother. And then there was me, and then there was my little sister. And, uh, you know, my dad uh, uh, being taken like that, my mom, you know, she, she just developed a real closeness with my little sister. And you could understand that, you know, because, you know, her husband's taken, and she's got this little baby to take care of. And, and, and the rest of the other three siblings, we understood, you know, growing up, you know, as the years progressed from that, that, you know, she just had a special place in her heart for Teresa. And when Teresa was 14, she went into surgery for a back problem and she arrested, had a cardiac arrest on, on the operating table and they were not able to revive her. And I mean, it just nearly destroyed my mom. And I remember go, I was working that day at the, at the, for the phone company. I was working on a job somewhere, one remote place. And I, and I got the call, Angela called me and said, uh, and I didn't go in that day because I didn't think it was that, you know, it was a surgery, but I was working. I'm going to go see her, you know, after work. My mom was there and some people from there from the church and I think some relatives were there, but I, you know, I had a job. So I'm going to go back and, and by the hospital and check on her, you know, at the end of the day. Pastor Angela called me and she said, you need to get to the hospital, said uh, uh, your, Teresa's heart has stopped and the doctors come out and, and he, he says there's nothing they could do and he's going back in to try something else. Well, you know, I know now what, you know, she was, she was already pronounced dead and you're, said your mom has fallen apart. You need to get down there. I, you know, put my tools down and rushed, you know, and I came in and by that time, you know, several relatives were there and this same aunt that said this to me all these years later about my dad, this same aunt, she said, you know what, it just doesn't look, my mom's name was Lily Mae, and she said, it just doesn't look like it's meant for Lily Mae to be happy. 
Now, you think, well, your aunt wasn't a very good, good person. Listen, she was a wonderful Christian. She loved God. I mean, at her funeral, you know, everybody talked about, you know, the blessings she had been at church all of her years, you know. She's a wonderful woman. But that was just the mindset. Some things we just don't understand. And some people, it looks like it's just not God's will. That's what she said. It just looks like it's not intended to be for Lily Mae to be happy. And it made me so mad. Now, by this time, I was in my early 20s and I had found out the truth. But, you know, that wasn't the time to correct anybody. And, uh, uh, and it, just, it just made me so mad. And it, 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 it helped instill in me a real determination to tell the truth. Because we know exactly, it is God's, it was God's will for my mom to be happy. It wasn't God's will for her husband to be taken at 42 years of age and she's 36 and has four children. That wasn't the will of God. That's not the plan of God. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It wasn't the will of God that my little sister be, be uh, die in surgery. But there were some spiritual laws in place that, that my mom and my little sister had put into, in, into motion that even I wasn't aware of at the time. I was told about it later. But my little sister and my mom had this kind of, uh, 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 I don't know why I'm going into all this. It's really not anything to do with my message, but it's interesting anyway. My mom and my little sister had developed this persecution complex that everybody was, it was them against the world. And my mom and my little sister had said just before she went into surgery, well, if anything's gonna happen, it'll happen to me. In other words, if there's any tragedy or any bad thing, it'll happen to me because bad stuff always happens to me. Well, see, they had been speaking those kinds of words for a long time. And, and my mom was, now she's in heaven now, you know, so she can't get mad at me. My relatives might, but she can't. Uh, but she had, been, she had been feeding this kind of, uh, of you know, God's against me. And, 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 and Pastor Angela can tell you, she, she was a tormented person. My mom was. And she would sit in church and just, she, this is not funny. This is just, this is a sad situation. But it seemed weird to, to Angela. Angela and I were, were not dating at the time. And some, Angela said she walked in one day and, 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 and my mom was sitting, you know, in, in, in her place on the side over against the wall where she always sat. And, and she, Angela and, and her friend came by and her friend said, well, well, Sister Anderson, how are you doing? And she said, I'm going to hell, that's how I'm doing. I'm going to hell, that's how I'm doing. She was just terribly tormented with these, with these spirits that, and you know, evil spirits are real. They torment people's minds. And of course, I wasn't helping her because I was a rebellious teenager and she was, I was probably driving her crazy. But, uh, so they had, that, they had that dynamic going on, she and my little sister. And uh, so, you know, my relatives had the idea, well, we don't know why God does what he does, but we just can't question God. It's not a matter of questioning God. It's a matter of knowing what the Bible says. And if you speak death... In the Old Testament, it says life and death is in the power of the tongue. And those who, who, uh, who speak a lot 
will have to live or, or experience the fruit of their, of their words. There's death and life in the power. It, it matters what you say. It matters what you say about your family. It matters what you say about your children. It matters what you say about your spouse. It matters what you say about your marriage, about your home life. It matters what you say about your health. It matters what you say about, uh, about your, your, your finances. Everything in life, you need to speak what the word says about it. Most Christians just say what it looks like. They just repeat what they see, what they experience. And all you do when you talk about the problem and, and speak the, the, the situation as it is, when you, when you continually talk the circumstances, you reinforce the circumstances. Even people who aren't saved know that to a degree. They call it the power of positive thinking or the power of positive speaking. And there are natural, secular books that talk about you can't go through life talking negative all the time. If you do, you'll just have negative things. Well, that's true because it's a spiritual law. It's not a, it's not a natural law. I mean, in the natural world, in the physical world, it's impossible that your words would affect anything in your life. But it's a spiritual law. And so it matters what you say and it matters what you pray and it matters how you pray. Amen. So like I said, in God brought about the message of faith because the church didn't understand faith and we desperately needed to know how to pray according to the word of God and get our prayers answered and thank God for that. It has changed all of our lives. Can you agree with that? It's changed all of our lives. I mean, I was, I was talking, I'll go back in the history a little bit, a little bit more. I was talking to, to uh, Pastor Angel. We were driving back from, from Tennessee and uh, there's a, uh, a reunion that's coming up next, next month in just a couple of weeks. And uh, it's a reunion from, that, from the church that I grew up in, just like, you know, uh, 50 years you know, from now, people might you know, want to have a reunion of all the people that have been to church here. Well, there's this reunion, and uh, we're going to it. And I'm checking you know, different people that are going. Then we had lunch with my sister. And you know, just talking to people, we see so much destruction, so much disappointment. So many people that I grew up with, my age and a little bit younger, maybe a little bit older, you know, that were my, uh, you know, uh, peers growing up, their lives are just a wreck. And they've been in church. They've been in church. They've raised their children in church. And their lives are a wreck. Their kids are a wreck. Their grandchildren are, are, are you know, uh, just in trouble. And I told Pastor Angel, I said, I am so thankful that I got a hold of the word. And, you know, I was in a, I was in that, in a Pentecostal church and there was a, a small group of us that had gotten uh, 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 exposed to some of, some of Brother Hagin's cassette tapes and his books and materials and we started feeding on these things, these things and we knew right away, this is it. This is the end. This is what we've been looking for all of our lives. And we tried to, 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 you know, to share that with people in the church. And there were some people who were able to, you know, to reach with that. But, you know, the, the pastor didn't believe this way. 
And he preached against a lot of these things. Angela's dad thought I was completely, well, not completely, but almost a heretic, you know. Uh, and a lot of people thought, you know, these, these, what these young people are, are talking about and, and, and saying, it's not scriptural. And it was totally, the reason they didn't think it was scriptural is they didn't know the scriptures. Not as pertaining to faith. And uh, there was just, the, the, uh, just a few of us. And we got a hold of this. And you go back and look at every single one of us that came up in that. Our, we're all flourishing our, we're, our marriages are good. Our children are all saved. Our grandchildren are saved. I mean, right on down the line, every one of us. I was at a, uh, uh, a young uh, a man that was there at, in, in Tennessee. He and his wife, was my, his wife is my cousin. And they were going to, to the church at that time. We were all part of that revival. I mean, you look at their family, their children, they're flourishing. They're just, you know, just success in every way. They all love God and serve God and work in the ministry, you know. And, and it's just that way. And then we look at so many other people. Their lives are just, there's so much just the devil ripping them off. Well, it's not because God loves us or me any more than he does anybody else or our group. That, we weren't any different. We weren't any, we're not special. It's just a matter of applying the word of God for not, we didn't try this. That's where a lot of, where a lot of people make the mistake. They tried it and it didn't work. We didn't try it. We sold out to it. We just completely sold out to it and, and we didn't always say it right, get it right, believe it right, but we, we knew the truth and we kept on at it and it's made the difference. And, and I look at this congregation, same things happen. I mean, families that have come up in this church believe God for just, you know, just keep speaking the word of God, living right, you know, living faith in front of their children, presenting the truth of God's word. And I just see, just, I just see the flourishing. We're in the third generation here in our church. And I'm telling you, it, this stuff works. You can see the fruit of it in the families in our church. What, what we have here is uncommon, not because God loves us anymore or that we're better than anybody. And it's, it's not that. It's just a matter. If you work the word, it'll work in your life. Yeah. Oh, glory to God. Yeah. But you see, you have to, you have, it has to be a lifestyle. Yeah. You, have to, you have to practice the word of God consistently. That doesn't mean you never miss it. Doesn't mean you never... Uh, 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 have a, an off day or never say, you know, uh, fail to believe like you're supposed to. But over time, if you'll keep practicing the word of God, your life will be dramatically different. I'm telling you, just dramatically different. And, and people who, who practice the word decade after decade, you see the fruit of it in your children and in your children's children. And people who don't practice it or who, who pull up and, and get out of their place, I'm telling you, when God plants you someplace, you need to stay there, amen, through the, through the easy times and the hard times and not so much in a different sense, my, my wife and I in a different sense maybe than, than, than you in the pew. Everybody has an opportunity to get offended and leave church. Now, now you, Pastor Angela and I do in a different way over the years. 
There have been times where we've wanted to leave, but we knew it wasn't the will of God, and we knew it was the flesh. But I'm telling you, anybody can, can everybody experiences that at some time or another, but the people who put their flesh under and submit to the will of God and work it out and stay planted where God planted them flourish over time. If you, if you stay planted, you will flourish. If you have a tree in your yard and you plant it and next week you pull it up and plant it somewhere else and then next year you pull it up and plant it somewhere else, it's not gonna flourish. You might be able to keep it alive, but it's not gonna flourish. You have to stay where you're planted. And when you do, it's not just for your benefit, it's for your children and your children's children and right on down the line. It's a sad thing that people allow offense to take them from the place they're supposed to be and when God, when God plants you someplace, it's, it's not up to you to just decide, I don't want to be planted here. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are a lot of good churches. We're not the only church. God can bless you any place he plants you. It doesn't have to be here. But when you get out of your place and don't deal with, with things, <laughs> you know, God put us in a body for a lot of reasons. God, God didn't just create, you know, God didn't just save people. The program is not to just save people and then just leave them out there to make it on their own. God ordained the local church. I had no intention of talking about local church tonight, but I am going to. God ordained the local church for a lot of reasons. It's a place where we come and we're nourished, you know, and ministered to and we have fellowship with one another. But another reason he puts us in a church is so that we can have conflicts. Because all of us have some rough and jagged edges. Every single one of us have some edges that need to be knocked off. And if you've ever, if you've ever, we were up in the mountains, you know, and we were driving around looking at the, you know, the, the, the uh, streams, you know, the rivers that flow through the Smoky Mountains, and you see these smooth rocks. Well, you know, they didn't, they didn't start out smooth. They started out jagged. But if you go down to the, to the water and look in, in the water and, and the rocks that line the, the floor of, of the river, all these rocks are smooth. Well, they, got, they became smooth by bumping up against each other. And it's a, and it's a physical fact when objects that are, are rough and jagged bump against one another, they become smooth. And, you, and when you combine that with, with the relentless action of flowing water, they can become very smooth. And that's what the local church is for. He put us in here so we could bump up against one another. Somebody could tick you off, say something you didn't like so that you could grow by that by learning how to forgive and learning how to put your flesh under, learning how to forbear, learning how to choose the other person's right over your right. You know, sometimes you don't have to be right. 
You can let the other person be right. But you see, when, when you do that over time, it smooths you off. And you become something, someone that God can use. You, I believe in quoting uh, uh, love scriptures. I love to quote 1 Corinthians 13 from the Amplified Translation. And, and almost every day of my life, almost every day of my life, I, I look at one or two love scriptures. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Well, you know, that, that's important. And as, as important as meditating on love scriptures are, just meditating on love scriptures will not perfect you in the love walk. The only thing that will perfect you in the love walk is actually having to walk in love. <laughs> it's acting. Huh? It's acting on the love of God when you feel like knocking somebody's head off. Yeah, you and I are okay, buddy. We're okay. You just happen to be sitting there. It's actually having to walk in love. And see, some people, as soon as they find conflict in a church, they up and go to another church. And the very thing that God was wanting to work in there, they short-circuited us and, and go someplace else. And after two or three of those things, they just quit going to church altogether because they can't get along with anybody. You ever met anybody like that? We've had people come through this church, couldn't get along with anybody. And so they just quit going to church altogether. And you know, the sad thing is they don't grow. But not only that, and worse than that, their families are cheated. Somebody that, that came to church, had their family in church, and they get offended and leave. And then they're, they're out of church or they're in a church that God didn't plant them in. And, and God is merciful. God is merciful. If you just will not buckle down and deal with your feelings in this church, God will let you go to another church, but at some point, you're gonna to have to deal with that. And the problem is people that leave here or anywhere else, leave any church, they're setting a pattern in motion. They would not submit to the word and to walking in love and putting their flesh under and learning to get along with other people. They, if they didn't do it here, chances are they're not gonna do it at the next place. Because it's, it's sort of like divorce, you know, once, once, you've, once you've divorced and remarried, that, that second marriage is going to be trouble if you don't learn what it was that caused your divorce the first time. Amen. And if you learn from that, then thank God. You can go on and have a happy marriage. But in the same way, people who learn, well, I, I messed up here and, and I went someplace else, but now I've gotten established in this church and now I'm hearing the word again and I'm dealing with myself. God will bless that. And you can, God will plant you there and you can flourish there. But the problem is, like I said, people who, who won't do that are not likely to do it the next time. Or I'll say it, let's, that's not the right way to say it. it. There's a good chance they won't do it next time. Put it that way. And then their, their children grow up seeing that instability. Here, there, mad. Because, you know, parents 
talk in front of their kids when they don't even realize it. Kids are listening. You're running down everybody at church, talking about everybody, talking about the preacher. You know, I have, I've had people come to me wanting me to help their teenager. Their teenager's in trouble. Or Pastor Greg, their teenager's in trouble. The problem is that teenager heard them talking about me, talking about Pastor Greg, running us into the ground. And now their teenager has no confidence. Well, that, that's true about the pastor, but it's true about other people in church. It's true about your, your fellow brothers and sisters. So then the kids turn sour against God. And so they, they'll go to church as long as you make them. But when they get old enough, they don't come back. I'm just telling you what happens. They don't come back. They then start living a life. Maybe they got saved, but now they're completely backslidden. They're not living for God. And then their children come up. They never even hear about God, except maybe from their grandparents talking. And thank God some of us, you know, some of you had grandparents, though your parents didn't have you in church. You had a godly grandmother, you know, who nurtured you. But uh, that's risky behavior. That's a risky way to, 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 to pass on to the next generation. The fourth generation, no knowledge of God. It's a, it's, a, it's a sad and sobering reality that there are people who will miss heaven and go to hell because an ancestor refused to deal with offense. Just that simple thing, just would not deal with their flesh and learn to get along. Well, praise the Lord. How does this got to do with prayer? <laughs> praise the Lord. Two kinds of prayer. <laughs> oh, man. I'm telling you, it's, it's important. What, I, what I'm talking about is practicing the word of God. You have to do it. You have to be a lifestyle and you have, to, you have to do it even when you don't feel like it. But if you'll do it, things might not change tomorrow. See, everybody's wanting a quick fix. I want my marriage to be fixed right now. I want, my, uh, my, I want to be happy right now. I want everything right now. Well, you didn't get where you were where you are overnight. And, and it's going to take a little bit of time. <coughs> now, God could, just, God could just move and just like a, a creative act and just all of a sudden change everything in your life and just make it wonderful. But you wouldn't learn anything. You'd mess it up again. You'd mess it up. You wouldn't stay that way anytime. You'd have your life all fouled up again. Because you didn't learn anything. You don't know how you got there. So God, God will take time and he'll work as quickly as you believe him. But you're going to have to believe him. You're going to have to apply the word of God. But if you'll do it, just buckle down and do it. When you don't see anything changing, you don't see things working out, you don't see your home blessed, you don't see your business blessed, you don't see your kids blessed, you don't, you don't have peace, you just feel like you're in turmoil, just keep on saying the right things, believe in the right things. And I guarantee you from the word of God and from personal experience, not only in my life, but 
people all over this church. Just keep doing it, praise God. And your, your grandchildren will be saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, serve God, not get off out on drugs and ruining their lives and running all over the county acting like fools. See, we didn't know how that, we didn't know how that happened. In our churches that I grew up in, some kids turned out okay, most of them didn't. They always talk about the preacher's kids. Preacher's kids are always had, they always had the bad reputation. You know, the preacher's kids were trouble. And I didn't understand that at first. I, when I was 10 years old, we had a new pastor come. And he had, a, he had a son that was a couple years older than me. And I didn't know this about preacher's kids. I didn't know that they had a bad rap. You know, they had a bad reputation. I didn't know that. And Gary, he became one of my best friends. He had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He was kind of a hothead. And he hadn't been there but just a couple of weeks. And some guy, he was getting a drink out of the water fountain. And one of the other guys hit his head and knocked him down. He chipped his tooth on that little deflector, you know. And he turned around and I mean just cold cocked that guy. I mean right in the mouth and just laid him out. And I thought... I'm going to become his friend. <laughs> I, I never saw a preacher's kid do that before. I didn't know they were, had a bad reputation. And I thought, man, I like that. <laughs> we'll get to know this guy. So we became very good friends, you know. But the old saying was, you know, the preacher's kids, the preacher's kids, the preacher's kids are bad. Well, I found out the reason the preacher's kids were so bad is they kept hanging around the deacon's kids. That's why they were bad. They weren't any worse than anybody else. They just, the, the spotlight was on them. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad our kids didn't hang around the deacon's kids. Amen. They just hang around good people. Hang around this church. Glory to God. And I'm telling you, my kids have turned out well, but it's not all because of Pastor Angela and me. It's because of this church. I said it's because of this church. It's because of the people in this church. They saw consistency in our life, but they also saw consistency in other people's lives. Well, praise the Lord. I don't know why I keep getting back on kids, but I tell you, if you want your kids to turn out right, do right. Not just for a little while. Make up your mind, I am gonna, I'm gonna do right and I don't care how hard it is. You might say, well, all the, I've got a lot of stuff stacked up against me. Everything's wrong and twisted and out of sorts. And my life is all, you know, I, I come into this, you know, and everything's all messed up. Just keep living according to the word of God, putting into practice what you hear at church. And I'm telling you, over time, this is not, this is not a sprint. This is a long distance race. And you'll end up crossing the finish line and you'll have your family with you praise the Lord and I tell you there's nothing better than that money can't money can't touch it have your children knowing your children genuinely love God have a, a deep experience with God for themselves they know God they love God they live for God and they're making right decisions it's better than it's better than anything in life 
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.